Come on. Hey, it is so good to be here with every single one of you. Also, it was really good to see Stu here. I guess you got the Brown Bros here today representing or something like that, but we'll take it. Um, but it is good to be here. I love coming to CFA and getting to be with all of you. I know that I probably have not had the chance uh, to meet every single one of you, but again, my name is Vinny Ramos. Um, I get the opportunity to come and hang out a few times a year. I'm a missionary with Young Life. Some of you have probably heard of Young Life. It's a nonprofit organization that's uh, worldwide, actually. And so I work here uh, in this region, uh, both Washington and Alaska. And so I love to get to do that, but I really do. I love uh, getting to come and hang out, and I'm so appreciative every single time of Pastor Matt, Pastor Bill, um, the whole team, everybody that's here. So it is really good. Uh, to be here with you. I'm excited to jump right into uh, our series that we've been talking about, talking all about wisdom. And so we're going to do that in just a moment. Uh, but the last time I was here, it was Palm Sunday, and that was really awesome to get to celebrate and be excited and do all those things. But I told you uh, that we were getting ready to have a baby, or my wife was getting ready to have a baby. And so I came this morning, and I, I hadn't sent in a picture for them to show, because I was like, every time I come, I always show them a picture, which don't show it. Yeah. Oh, oh, come on. Don't steal my thunder. Come on, Joe. But I was like, you know, every time I come, I show them a picture. I'm like, they're probably so tired of seeing my family. And then I pulled in and I thought, who cares? Right? Like, are you really even a pastor or a preacher if you don't brag on your family when you get up on stage? So all that to say, this, these are my kids. Uh, there's the newest one right there in the middle. That's little Juniper. Uh, she is seven weeks old, so she's a little bit bigger. And then my other daughter, Navy, and my son, Wilder. Um, and then my wife, who refused to be in the picture because she was like, I'm tired. I have three kids. No pictures, please. So... But that is them. And uh, by the way, your church has something for having three kids. Have you noticed that? Like Pastor Matt's got three kids. Pastor Bill's got three kids. TJ's got three kids. Gio's got three kids. What's up? My question is, why didn't any of them go to four? Like, what does that tell you, right? I walked in. It was so funny. I walked in. I saw Gio. And I was like, hey, man, how are you? I was like, hey, remind me, how many kids do you have? He was like, man, we got three. And I thought, okay. My next question is, how old is his youngest? Because why is he still answering like that? So I was like, hey, Gio, tell me. I was like, how old your youngest? And he was like, he's four. And that's when I realized, oh, no. I was like, he's four years in and still answering like I am at seven weeks in. So we're in for something. But, um, but it, is, it really is a privilege uh, to be here. And I'm really excited to share some things with you. I've been praying and just thinking about this series and thinking about, man, Lord, what do you want me to share today with CFA? What can I help uh, break open? And I love the Bible because every book within the Bible, even though they all connect together, they each have their own unique, distinct feel and flavor. And there's so much goodness that we have. And so as I was kind of diving into the book of Proverbs and really praying about what we should talk about today, I really felt like the Lord was just putting on my heart to uh, pray for illumination, that we would sit here and as I talk and as we study scripture together, that maybe the Lord would just illuminate something new in your mind and in your heart and that the two would connect, right? Because so many times we can feel something in our heart, but it doesn't mean it connects in our head. And so many times something can make sense in our head, but it doesn't connect in our heart and we don't feel it. 
And so my prayer is today that as we dive into the book of Proverbs, that we would encounter both. And I believe that when we encounter both and we connect our mind to our heart, then we can put it out in our hands and we can actually live it out. That's when things really take hold and they really take shape and they take form and they begin to impact our lives. And so my heart and my prayer, we're going to pray in just a moment, is that just today that there would be just one thing right? I know what it's like too. I've been in so many Sunday gatherings where you get to money. I'm like, what did they talk about again yesterday? (laughs) So the goal is just that there would be one thing that you would leave encouraged by. There would be one thing that you would remember that you would uh, really take hold in in your head and in your heart so that it can play out in your hands. So uh, let's pray together. And then we are just going to dive right in. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are and thank you for what you do. God, I'm so grateful uh, that your church is alive, that it's alive not just here but around the world. And it's so fun to get to come to different places and to see people who love you and who are identified by you and just believe in you. And so, God, I pray for our time together. God, we may not know each other super well, and some of us, maybe we do, God, but I believe that we're connected by the greatest connection that we can have with another human being. It's you. So, God, I just pray for the next few moments that you would open up our minds so that we would be able to think and process. But I also pray that you'd open up our hearts so that we would be able to feel. God, so we'd be able to feel you, to feel your spirit. And, God, I pray that when we leave, God, everything that we've heard, that we've thought about would connect with how we feel so that we can walk out of here and live the lives that you have called us to live. God, so I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're going to do. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, I think wisdom is such an important topic, and I love the way that Pastor Matt said it. I was listening to a couple of the past week's messages, and he said something that is so true. He said, we live in a time where there is more knowledge now than there has ever been before. Like, it's so crazy, right? Like, I'm not that old. I mean, I'm a little bit, I'm starting to get up there, but I'm not like that old, right? Thank you. But I can remember when we first got like iPhones and that was such a huge change and shift and we have like access to everything at our fingertips, which I think about like my own children, I think about how crazy it's going to be that they're going to grow up always having access to everything at their fingertips. If they want to know anything, even now, my three-year-old daughter, if I, if she asked me a question because she loves to do that and I'm like, I don't know, she's like, ask Siri. I'm like, hold up, what's up? Right? But the truth is, we have so much knowledge in our world today. We have access to so much knowledge, but that doesn't always equate to wisdom. Right? So you can know a lot, but not have the wisdom to use it, not have the wisdom to apply it. And I think that really wisdom is at the core of what is going to make us as the church, as Jesus people, effective in this world. Because you've seen it so many times. There are people that know a lot about Jesus, but they don't know how to share him. Or you see a lot of people who know how to share him, but they don't know a lot about him. And so the truth is, again, you have to have both. And so wisdom really is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. That's like the dictionary version. That's what it says. And I believe, honestly, like that's the godly version, except the only difference is it says the quality of having experience or knowledge. I think the world would say that you have knowledge from the world, but we know that the Holy Spirit can also enlighten you with knowledge that you would not otherwise have, except that you follow Jesus. And so the truth is, is as we follow Jesus and as we aim to find that wisdom and that knowledge, we can say, Lord, will you show me things that I would not otherwise know except through you? guess what? He's so good that he'll do it. 
He'll give you and I insight to be able to live life so that we can do our very best at not just representing him, but because we're his children, also live the very best lives that we could live. Isn't that so good that God loves us so much that he doesn't just want us to know him for the sake of knowing him, but he wants us to know him for the sake of knowing him so that he can also bless us, so that we can live fulfilled lives. It's twofold. To me, as a Christ follower, as somebody who goes, should I follow Jesus? That's where I'm like, I'm in. I want that. Now, here's the other thing. Life also doesn't really come with any uh, manual. There's no like set how to do this, right? I feel like uh, the more kids that I have or the more kids that my wife has or the more children we have or the more years that go by, the more that I realize that life really kind of plays out and there's not always this set, do this, do that. This is the exact way to go. This is the exact way not to go. And so that's kind of the, the tough point that we find ourselves in as human beings going, how do we live this life out, especially as Christ followers, right? How do we live that out in 2023? How do we be people of both grace and truth? How do we know when to extend grace? How do we know when to speak truth? How do we know how to live out our Christian values, but also be a part of this world so that people want to hear what it is that we have to share? The longer that I do that, the more that I realize it's going to take wisdom for you and I to be able to live the lives that we've been called to live. I also realize that following Christ is very much like walking a tightrope in life. You don't want to go over too much this way. You don't want to go over too much that way, but you're trying to follow Jesus and social media says this and news says this and family says this and friends says this and your heart says this and your head says this and you're like, what do I do? The truth is Jesus is that tightrope that we're walking. But the best part is he's also the balancing beam that we get to have that helps keep us on track. So this is why, this is why we need wisdom. I think to be a Christ follower and to not want wisdom is foolish. To be a Christ follower and not desire wisdom is kind of almost like setting up to fail. Because the truth is, as much life experience as you can have, as, much, as many books as you can read, as many people as you can have in your life, there really, that isn't enough. We've got to have wisdom to be able to live it out. You're like, we get it. We need wisdom, bro. Just go on. Start. <laughs> but here's the thing. When I talk with my son, my son is seven years old. He loves to do the things where he just like does the thing that I just told him not to do. Like anybody got kids who do exactly what you told them not to do? Yeah. Anybody do what you know you're not supposed to do? I mean, me too. <laughs> but I don't know why. I, I know my dad used to ask me this, and I always ask him, I'm like, why did you do that? Right? Like, I, wanna, I, I want to kind of understand my seven-year-old son. I want to understand, like, I'm like, why did you push your sister? Like, you know you're not supposed to push sissy. Like, come on. Right? And whenever I ask him that, his response is always the same. I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, you just did it. Sometimes I'm like, how do you not know? I literally just said, don't do this. And then you said, okay, and went and did the one thing that I said not to do. But here's the thing. Wisdom is the discernment to follow our internal compass and to apply not just what we've learned and know, but also what we've gained by the experience of the Holy Spirit. And not just looking forward, but also looking backward. And this is important because I think when we talk about wisdom, we love to think that we're always looking forward, 
that we're always going, how do I make the best decision for tomorrow? How do I gain wisdom so that when I find myself in this situation, I can do what's best? But I think the Lord actually desires to use both forward and backward. He goes, I'll give you the wisdom to discern what it is that you should have learned from past mistakes, from past experiences. And so having true godly wisdom allows us not just hopefully to have a good internal compass to move forward, but also to look back at our lives, to look back at maybe the home we were raised in or our relationship with our parents or our spouse or our children or mistakes that we've made or past job experiences or anything like that. And to go, God, what are the nuggets that you desire to teach me and to show me from the things that I've already encountered? That's really what the Lord is offering us in wisdom. So what I want to do today is we're going to break open the book of Proverbs. And I love Proverbs because it's really just a bunch of like mic drop passages, right? Like there's a few in there that, you know, will we'll have a few verses that really go to it. But a lot of it is just like these like heavy hitter one-liners, like boom, read the sentence, get it, you're done, move on. Like it's just like boom, boom, boom. And I love that um, because it's just straight up. It's pretty straightforward. I, I tend to be more of a straightforward person. So I like to just know it like it is. I don't need any extra fluff. And Proverbs isn't about the fluff. It's just about the straight up. So what I want us to do is I want to talk a little bit about wisdom in, in terms of friendship and relationship. And I want to walk you through a few passages. There's five verses that I want to share with you today. And they're all interconnected in my mind as as I was praying and studying. And I want to share them with you, but I want to lead you through them. And so again, today, I would think of it as a little more of like maybe a Bible study. Like, let's just pretend for the next few moments that I'm not on the stage and you're not sitting in the crowd, but that we're just sitting together and we're having a conversation and we're talking about wisdom and we're talking about relationships or friendship. And again, just remember that the goal of today is that you would have just one takeaway. You don't got to remember all five verses. You don't got to even remember how they go, but just that you would take one thing. Can we do that? Cool. Cool. So the first verse that I want to talk about is Proverbs 13 and verse 20. And it says it like this. It says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, we've kind of all heard this verse. Maybe some of you have heard this verse or you haven't heard it from the verse, but you've heard this, right? Like you become who you hang out with. Even the world knows that. Like that's a common knowledge type of thing. You become who you are with. Now, this is really important for us as Christ followers because we have to realize that those we choose to spend time with are the people that tend to rub off on us, right? Think about your friends or think about your friendships. Have you ever noticed like your friends or your spouse or even your family, right? You begin to have inside jokes. You begin to kind of talk the same. You begin to laugh at the same things. Sometimes people start to dress the same. It gets a little weird, but that's just the way it is, right? Like people, you start to become just like those people that you're spending time with. Now, a lot of times we like to think that it's just about people who we have common interests with. And I do think that that expedites the process, but it's really not always about that. And a great proof of that is that most of us tend to become very good friends with people that we work with. We didn't choose to work with someone because you were like, I think I want to be friends with them. But really what happens is in our human nature and the way that God created us, we're so relational we love to connect, is that eventually, if you spend enough time with pretty much anybody, 
you're going to connect with them. You're going to build a connection, a friendship, a relationship. So work proves that it's not just about similar interests or experiences that really bond us, but it's just about who you allow yourself to be around. Now, that's the first thing that we should take away from this is really thinking through just, man, who am I spending my time with? Who, I'm, who am I allowing in my life to really have influence? And you may not even notice that they're an influence on you, but really just people that you're spending a lot of time with. Then I want to go over to Proverbs 19, verse 20, and it says it like this. It says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Now, this is the one I knew probably many of us probably don't like. Listening to advice and accepting discipline. Anybody love discipline? Nobody? Not one person? Good. We don't got any liars in the house, you know? Nobody likes that. Nobody loves to have that, but it's really not meant to be a negative thing. And I know that in our culture and discipline can feel like correction, but really it's hinging upon that first part, listening to advice and accepting discipline. And if we do that, then we will be counted among the wise. In other words, we find wisdom when we're willing to listen to others. However, if wisdom is so important and so valuable as I've just shared that it is, then we have to be proactive about desiring wisdom in our lives. It's not the kind of thing that we can just go through life and hope that every now and then we get a little nugget of wisdom. It's not enough to go about it that way. But wisdom has to be sought out. It has to be something for us as Christ followers that we go, I really want to have wisdom in my life. Lord, I really want to become wise about the things that you've asked me to do. And if we can seek out wisdom, then we will be counted as the wise here in Proverbs 19.20. But really, where wisdom starts, even aside from the relationships that we've been talking about, is really in your heart posture. It's in our heart posture every day going through circumstances, relationships, work, home, family life, problems, financial things, all those things going like, Lord, what will you teach me? Lord, what will you teach me? I listened to this podcast by this guy. His name is John Tyson. He's an incredible communicator. And he told me that one of the things that he does, or he didn't tell me. See, I'm making it sound like I know him. I don't know this guy. Some of y'all were going to look him up and be like, there's no way Vinny knows this guy. So I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know the guy, but I do know his podcast. And I was listening to it and he was saying, this is how I invite the Lord to work in my life. And one of the things that he said is when he walks into a room, he says a quick prayer and he says, Lord, What are you doing in this room? Where are you already at work? And how can I join you? And I thought, man, that is the heart posture to gain wisdom. Lord, what are you doing in this room? Where are you already at work? And how can I join you? Right there, if we were to all pray that prayer as we walk into every room, it puts our heart in the right place. It puts our heart in a place of humility. It takes us out of the center which I'll tell you one of the biggest reasons why we as individuals have such a hard time is wisdom with wisdom is because we have such a hard time decentering ourselves from everything. And that's, that's okay. Like, I think that's okay, right? Like you see with your eyes, you feel with your heart, you touch with your hands. It makes sense that our natural inclination is to think of us and our experience. 
But really, the way that we can gain the heart of God is to learn to decenter ourselves and say, it actually isn't just about me, but it's about him, them, and others. So how do I go about that? How do I begin to have this heart? It starts with going, Lord, I want to learn. I want to listen to advice. I want to have people in my life. So again, the first thing I would say is it begins with a willingness to learn, a heart posture of humility to say, I want to learn from others. The second part of that is you can't listen to advice if there's nobody there. You can't sit in a room all by yourself and say, man, I got some good advice. No, those were just your thoughts. We have to have each other. We have to have other people in our lives to help teach us and show us and to show us new things. This is where community is so important. This is why as Christ followers, and I realize maybe I'm like saying straight up stuff, but Proverbs set me off because it's pretty straight up. So if I say something, it's Proverbs fault. Plus Pastor Matt's not here, so that works. But here's the thing. This is why as Christ followers, we have to be a part of a local church. This is why as Christ followers, we can't just sit at home by ourselves. This is why we need each other. This is why it's so valuable to come together on a Sunday morning, even though you may not know every single person in this room, but to go, I want to put myself in an environment where there are other people who so desire the same things that I desire, that the Lord desires for me. This is why shameless plug, I think you guys call them connect groups. Is that right? Boom. This is like shameless plug for connect group. This is why that is so valuable. I'm sure they're probably on break till the fall or something, so maybe I'm a little early, but whatever. (laughs) Tuck that away, save it for fall. This is why we do those things as a local church. It's not just so we can, how do we get these people together? No, it's so that we can learn and grow together and have hearts of humility together. And this is why community is so important because community brings relationship and relationship turns into friendship and friendship fosters care and understanding. Understanding teaches us empathy and empathy is the wisdom that gives us the heart of Jesus. If you turn on the news, if you look at social media, Empathy is such a huge word in our day and age. There's so many causes. There's so much heartbreak. There's so many things. And really, I feel like being a part of the church, sometimes it can be hard to know what to do or how to have the right empathy or how to reach people or how to acknowledge hurts or losses or different things. But really, to me, it just reminds me that what the world really needs is Jesus. Because Jesus isn't asking us to scream at the top of our lungs just truth in the face of people who don't even want to hear it. But Jesus is asking us to share in his heart, to have an empathetic heart, so that we would know how to put our arms around those who are hurting, so that we would know how to meet those who are hurt where they are at, so that we can love on them and show them the right amount of grace in the right way, so that then we can say, let me show you who has shown me the way that you might find him like I have found him. So to me, I'm like this wisdom and uh, wisdom around friendship and relationships. I'm like, this is what the world needs. This is what I need. This is what we need. And I love it because Proverbs continues on. This is a really famous one, but Proverbs 27 verse 17. And it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Have you heard that verse before? Raise your hands if you heard that verse. We got a few that have heard it. In other words, if I hang out with Stu, 
hopefully the goal would be that I would sharpen him and that he would sharpen me. That we would help each other become more effective in our approach. That we would help each other in living this life. That we would do better together. And as I think about discipleship, this is really where we enter into the, the, the lifestyle of discipleship. Is that once you meet Jesus, you go, okay, I'm going to enter into this lifelong journey of becoming more like him. However, it's not me by myself, but it's me getting there together with all the other Christ followers too and hoping that my life invites others to join in. That's the goal. That's the gospel. But when I think about it practically, and I love to process some of these passages and kind of break them down and go, okay, how do I actually live that out? The way that I think about discipleship is that it comes in three layers. Now, I realize I'm getting super practical, so some of you, you're like, dude, what are you talking about? But just go with me, okay? because I got the mic anyway, so you got to. But I think about discipleship in three layers. I think about people that are pouring into me. I think about people that I am running alongside, and I think about people who I am pouring into. And when I have those three layers in my life, I think that's when the process of discipleship is most whole and most complete. Because it's not me just feeding other people my own words, but it's people watching my life, speaking into my life, calling out good things in my heart, encouraging me, right? And those can be lots of different people. They can be uh, parents. They can be a spouse in certain situations. They can even be a friend where a friend says, hey, I want to encourage you in this. Then I want to think about who are those people that I'm running alongside. It's so important that we have people that we run alongside because that's what helps for us to feel like discipleship is actually attainable. Can you imagine if you were only ever spending time with people who are like 10, you know, 10 miles ahead of you? You'd be like, will I ever get there? But if you can have people who are 10 miles ahead of you deposit into your life every now and then, then you have people that are running with you. You go, we can do it together. And then the real opportunity to test what you're learning is you leading other people too. And this can look really different again. This is really easy in certain settings, but it can feel harder in others. In some situations, it's like your kids, right? For me, as a dad, I'm like, I have people that pour into, into me, into my life. I know Pastor Matt, he has been one of those people that deposits into my life constantly. We still get together. We talk. We have coffee. We make jokes. We have a good time, but he always encourages me. Then I have people that I'm running alongside, some of my friends, some of my brothers, my wife, we're in it together. And then I have an automatic opportunity to share what it is that I'm learning. And I, it's really the hardest one because I'm not sharing by a teaching model, but I'm sharing by my life is my children. Right? I was just talking to uh, Bill and Christina and we were talking about the kids and they were like, how's it going? I was like, yeah, it's good. Our, our baby's actually the easiest one. The older ones are the tough ones because we can't watch them the same way we used to. And now I'm really seeing who they are. And I'm like, I wonder where they got that from. Oops. Told on myself. So honestly, I would encourage you as you think about discipleship to think of it in those three layers. Who is pouring into you? Who is giving you wisdom that maybe you wouldn't otherwise know? Who are the people that you're running alongside? Who are the people that you're doing life with that are going in the same direction as you are? And what are those opportunities? Who are those people that the Lord has put in your life that you can impart truth and grace to them? And finally, there's two more verses, but this other verse is a little bit of a warning about community and friendship. 
It's Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. It says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Basically says the same thing we read at the very first verse, right? You become who you hang out with. But he goes, I'm going to be really honest with you and let you know that if you spend time with people that maybe are always thinking about the negative or always choosing the wrong approach, it eventually is just going to catch up to you. Now, let me clarify on this verse. Sometimes as Christians, we love to make this verse as who we should not be with. We love to use this verse as ammunition. But anytime we as Christ followers are using the Bible as ammunition, that's a dead giveaway that we're doing it wrong because this is not a weapon. So this isn't about cut everybody out of your life. Don't be around anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus. Don't be around anybody who's still in process because guess what? We're in process. This really is more about us looking at ourselves and going, am I that person? Is it me, Lord? How's my temper? How's the way I hold myself? How's the way I live my life? How do I make sure that when people read this verse in Proverbs 22, that they don't immediately think of me? That's the way that we're called to interpret this verse. So it's really not about cutting people out. Plus, we're called to be the salt of the earth. We have to be around. We have to be able to reach more people. It's not about excluding ourselves from circles so that we can say we're following Proverbs 22. It's about saying, how do I be the best friend to someone else? So the real question that I want to ask you all today that I really want you to be thinking about is as you go through life, as you're living life, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a dad or a mom, whether you're a kid, a spouse, a friend, whatever you are, whoever you are here, is I want you to think about the path of life that you're on. And I want you to just be honest with yourself in your own mind is who are you riding with in life? Who are you riding with and where are they going? Who are the people that are the most important to you in your life? And not just because you care, but you really feel that attachment to them in your heart. Where are they headed? Because I think of life a lot like that. We're all getting in the car. We're all going through life. Time is happening. We're going through the miles. We're passing. We don't have a choice at how fast the car moves. We're just along for the ride and we're going but you do get to decide whose car you get into. But you don't get to decide where they're gonna go when you get in their car. I think it's so important that we as Christ followers really process through that. And I was ready to kind of share that and I feel like the Lord is so good. He always does this, right? We always, again, we always wanna think about other people. We always wanna like point the finger at somebody else. And yesterday I was praying and I was thinking about this and I felt like the Lord immediately like grabbed my finger and pointed back at me. And he was like, what about you? He was like, who's riding with you? And where are you driving them? And I was like, oh man. I was like, I was feeling so good. I was ready to speak some truth from Proverbs. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not about speaking. It's about understanding it. It's about really knowing what's in this word. It's about really understanding how we apply it to our lives again. It's about thinking about it and processing it and saying, Lord, give me that heart to feel it so that I can be it. And I started to think about that and I started to think about the cars that I drive in my life. 
I'm thinking about the car, obviously, where it's like a solo car. It's like one of the little smart cars, you know? Andrew used to have one. It's like one of those, right? It's me. Then there's the car in my marriage where it's me and my wife and thinking about, okay, my wife is with me. Where am I driving? Us. Then thinking about my family van, right? Me, my wife, and my three kids in the back. Where am I driving us? Then thinking even about my friendships. Stu, when we get together, when we spend time together, or even when we're not together, but when you see what I'm posting on social media or you know the life that I live, where am I driving us? Or in young life, as a missionary and people that I have influence with or that I lead, where am I driving us? Or even right now, as I'm sharing, right? You're all listening, and and here we are in this room. Where am I driving us? So the goal would be that you would process that this morning, that you would think about your own life. You would think about the many different vehicles that you drive in your life. That you would process who might be in that car with you. Where are you driving them? Where are you driving yourself? Where are you driving your marriage? Where are you driving your family? Where are you driving your home? Where are you driving your friends? Where are you driving the people that you work with? And that's a tough one, especially because it's often hardest to shift relationships that are closest to us. Because relationships come with expectation, and it doesn't always mean high expectations. It means that when you wake up, your spouse is expecting you to be the same as you were yesterday. It means that your children are expecting you to be the same way as you were yesterday, that your parents are expecting you to be the same way as you were yesterday. And so it can feel almost like embarrassing a little bit or a little humiliating to try to course correct, even if you're doing good. Because then it means that you either have to like do a couple things. You either have to like acknowledge it and be like, hey, I'm trying to do something different, but I'm just going to let you know like this is what's happening. And that, that feels hard because that takes a lot of humility. But I believe that that's really what the Lord is asking us to do. And I can't speak to anyone other than uh, people who are a bit in the same season as me as like husbands and young dads. But that's what the Lord is asking us to do. He's asking us to be the men of God that he's asked us to be. To go, if I'm driving my family, am I driving correctly? Are there some of us in here that maybe need to apologize and course correct to our spouse? Right? And we don't get to be responsible for how they receive it or even what their reaction is. But we are responsible for the way we act. Are there some of us that need to go to our children and say, hey, I want to let you know that I did that wrong. But I'm telling you what, whatever embarrassment it costs you, whatever humility it takes, it will be worth the change. It just came to my mind right now, but my mom, um, I feel like every time I come, I cry. So thank you. But my mom and my dad, uh, my dad is a pastor and my parents got divorced three years ago. My mom lost her faith. She has slowly been finding her faith and I don't, I've, or my family's in Texas, so I don't really get to see them very much. It's very challenging. Every time I go home, it's like I have to get reacclimated to a new family because it just has broken down more than it was when I left. And so my mom has really been, she's like 60, but she's really been drinking and just doing all this crazy stuff and just going out. And it feels, number one, like I hope she never hears this. 
But it feels like I'm talking to a teenager sometimes when I talk to my mom. And I talk to my sister, and my sister always tells me, I'm so worried about mom. Like, I just want her to be safe. I just want her to be okay. And uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, she sent, my mom sent uh, myself and a few family members this text. I think it was maybe two days ago. I don't know if I'll find it because I wasn't going to share it. So I'll just tell you what it says. But basically, she hopped on there on the text and she said, hey, I just want to make everyone aware of a change that I'm trying to make in my life. She said, over the past couple years, I've been drinking more than what I know that I should. And I even gotten to places where I haven't acted correctly and I've treated those around me poorly. I don't want to be that way. And the past 12 days, I've totally stopped drinking and I know that the Lord has helped me and I know that he's going to continue to help me. I hope that you'll encourage me in this journey, and I'm really sorry for anything that I've done. Come on, right? But I think, I think that's what the Lord has in mind. I don't know why she necessarily included me. I'm like, I'm not even there, but I'm glad she did. And I think that the Lord is asking every single one of us in this room to think through what are some text threads that maybe we need to start up. Right? It doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that long drawn out. It doesn't even technically really have to be a real text threat. But maybe there are some relationships in our lives that maybe, maybe we've been detouring the car a little too much. Maybe we need to come back and have enough humility to have enough confidence in the Lord and what he's asked us to do that we can say, hey, I just want to let you know, spouse, kids, coworkers, friends, I've been kind of doing it a little bit wrong, but I'm going to course correct here. I'm going to turn around. I think there's so much wisdom in that. By my mom sending that text message, there were actually people in that text thread uh, that are all family members of mine. Some of them believe in Jesus. Some of them don't. So I know some of them are like, oh, but everybody responded like, totally cool. We respect it. So I'm like, she had nothing to lose in that moment, only to gain by being willing to put herself out there and say, hey, I got it wrong back there, but I'm gonna get it right up there. Will you help me? Will you go with me? Those are the relationships we need in our life. So my prayer, again, is that as you ask this question, who are you riding with, where are they going, or who is riding with you, and where are you driving them? In Young Life, we do this thing where uh, whenever somebody talks, we call it a club talk. So somebody will stand up and give a club talk, and we don't, like, close in the altar or anything. We do this thing at the very end called cabin time. Because, again, we don't just want kids or people to hear the message of Jesus, but we want them to hear it, feel it, and process it, and then live it out. And so we always say at the end of a message, we say, all right, you're going to go to cabin time. What happens is they go back to their dorm or their cabin at summer camp, and they get the opportunity to go through a couple questions that have to do with what they just heard. And they get to process it and really think through it. Now, don't worry. Some of y'all getting nervous. We ain't doing no cabin time here today, okay? <laughs> so chill out. But I want to share one final verse with you, and then I want to just give you some things to have your own personal cabin time later. In closing, Proverbs 12, 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully. It says, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So my one thing that I would encourage you to do in your cabin time, it's a funny word to use, but audit your relationships. 
literally, I would encourage you to really practically do that. I know, again, sometimes that, that feels weird because I, I think sometimes we, we think like, oh, I'll just pray and the Lord will just impart to me. And I believe that he will, but he also wants to teach you. He doesn't just want you to know, he wants you to understand. And so I would encourage you to audit your relationships that today, when you get a chance, go home and go, man, who, who are those relationships in my life that are pouring into me? Who are those people that I really consider brothers or sisters in Christ that spur me on, that challenge me, that really encourage me to keep following Jesus? And who are those people that I know I have influence in their lives? And maybe you might find that the the discipleship layers are getting a little lopsided. You go, oh man, I need to find somebody to pour into me. Or, oh, I need to find somebody to run alongside. And it's okay to need more people to run alongside than just your spouse, Definitely you want your spouse in that layer, but it's okay to want a spouse and brothers or and sisters or whoever it is. And then think through who are those people? What are those opportunities that the Lord has given you to be able to impart new wisdom that you've learned to them? That's my real challenge. That's my real takeaway for every single one of us is that we would look at that so that the Lord would give us a heart and a posture of learning so that we can gain wisdom that we just can't find in this world but going, Lord, how do I have that wisdom? How do I have what you have to give? My heart for myself is that I would have that same humility that my mom has because she's gonna be a better woman for it. And so I go, Lord, give me that kind of wisdom that I don't care what anybody thinks, but I wanna be as close to you as possible. I wanna be as wise as possible because I know it's what you have for me. Amen? Would you stand together so we can pray? I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I want to pray that, again, one thing would stand out to you. And they're going to sing a song. And maybe as they sing it, you can kind of just process that and think through that. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share uh, from the word. I think his word is really good, but it's really, like, meaty. You have to really kind of digest it and process it and really seek to understand. Again, the Lord doesn't just want you to feel it. He wants you to know it. He wants you to feel him and know him. And as we know him, man, he's so good, and he's so gracious, and he's so truthful. He's a guy that would tell you you got broccoli in your teeth because he loves you. I want to be that guy. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and we thank you for who you are, for what you do. God, I thank you for your words of wisdom. God, there's a reason why Solomon was willing to come and ask you for wisdom, and you gave him more than what he even thought he was asking. And so, God, I believe that there's something about having your wisdom. It doesn't just help us or help our lives, but it blesses those around us. And I believe as we bless those around us, we bless the world. And so, God, this world needs you, and you have chosen to include us in your great work of reaching this world. God, but we only get to be a part of what you're doing if we're willing to hear your words, to feel them, and to do something with them. So God, I pray that we would chew on everything that we've heard, God. I thank you and I celebrate it publicly, what you are doing in my mom's life today. Thank you, Jesus, for making change, Lord. And God, I pray that that life would be an example of the same change that you desire in every single one of our lives. You don't just choose some of us, you choose all of us. You love every single one of us. And when you work in our lives, you work abundantly. So God, we give you this time. We give you this space. There's no one else like you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.